to the J. Kim Show, Hong Kong's first dedicated podcast on investing in Asia. Join us as we survey the land and discover the greatest companies and most profitable investment opportunities in Asia. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insights to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. Today's show is all about gold and precious metals. Our guest this week is Chris Blasey, who is the president of Neptune Global Holdings. Chris has been in the precious metals business for nearly two decades and gives us some great insights into precious metals as an asset class and why he believes we are still in the middle stages of a large secular bull market in gold and precious metals with the greatest gains yet to come. We also talk about asset allocation and his views on cryptocurrencies in general. So if you're wondering what allocation your personal portfolio should have with gold and precious metals, then this episode is for you. Let's get right on to the show. Hi, Chris. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. Jay, how are you? It's great to talk to you again. Yeah, it's been a while and uh, I'm uh, interested to get you back on and and uh, and talk precious metals uh, since you are the sort of my go-to foremost expert in the uh, in the space and there's a lot of interesting things happening there and I think that a lot of investors are are pretty interested in some of these moves we've seen recently. Um, so maybe for the audience listening in, uh, you could uh, give us a little bit of an introduction. Sure. My name is Chris Blasi. I'm the president of Neptune Global Holdings and also known as Neptune GBX, which means Global Bullion Exchange. Um, just a quick overview. We started as a regular full service precious metals dealer back in 2002. So we've been in this for 16 years. Basically, every step along with this secular bull market that we believe began in 2001. And uh, we, we have differentiated ourselves, even though we, <clears throat> we do provide all the traditional products for our clients, you know, the bars and coins, but we've kind of differentiated ourselves with some uh, very unique uh, physical precious metals offerings that uh, actually have received patents, but kind of stay true to physical precious metals ownership. And, you know, maybe we can touch on that a little bit later. Um, but um, I always enjoy chatting with you, Jay, about the precious metals market and uh, and what's going on at the, at the macro level. Yeah, absolutely. So and, and maybe if you could give a little personal color. Have you always been in the space and was the reason that you decided to start or join Neptune uh, because of the secular bull market that you just described? Yeah, thanks for um Bringing that up. So one thing I like to say is, that, you know, I do have a little bit of a diverse background, which I think all plays into kind of understanding precious metals and not just saying, you know, here's an individual who's only being in precious metals, you know, so his mm -hmm. view is, is very limited. Right. I started with the traditional big broker dealer, Wall Street broker dealer. Right. Also was w w went to a niche M&A um, firm, merchant banking firm. So I was kind of in those traditional Wall Street roles. I did spend a, also a period of time in big technology, you know, without naming the name of the company, but I was involved with all the financial service firms. And this was one of the major players. But I was always a student of macroeconomics and trends. And in the late 1990s, through re my own research, I was convinced that we would go into, in the new millennium, a long a protracted secular bull market in the precious metals. And I was so convinced that this was going to be real and would materialize 
that, you know, from, you know, year 2000, 2001, I put all the ducks in a row and launched Neptune Global in 2002. So, um, yeah, that's why I got involved in it. It's not by accident. It was by research. And, um, you know, I'm happy to say that, you know, despite the normal ups and downs in this market, that is uh, it's actually playing out exactly as the research I conducted over a decade and a half ago, um, you know, told me what was going to happen. So it makes me excited. It also gives me a level of confidence when talking to investors and clients. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it, it's interesting because in financial markets, people uh, like to try to predict trends and, and it's difficult to do so. There's a, there's a handful of people that, that are able to spot them and, and make big bets. And it, it clearly seems that you, you've successfully done so. So perhaps, we, Chris, you could, uh, you could shed some light on sort of the broad overview. I mean, you stated that um, you know, early 2000s is when the, this sort of secular bull market began. Where do we sit on that uh, in that uh, trend right now? Or is it too late to get in? Uh, this sort of thing. Maybe you could give the audience a, a quick overview of, of what we're looking at right now. Sure. As I stated, you know, we, I saw and, and you know, through the research that we were going to go into a secular bull market, right? And and we need to separate and, and just clarify secular versus cyclical, right? Cyclical could be very short term. There are multiple cycles within a secular. A secular bull market runs long in duration, right? Like 15 to 21 years. And it's basically characterized by three major legs. The first leg is up. The second leg, and these are multi-year legs. The second leg is that pulls back and is multi-year mm -hmm. and basically does a retracement. Basically, 50% of the gains are given back. And then the third leg is the most robust where the biggest gains are made. So where are we now? The secular market started, this bull market started in 2001, ran from basically 2001 to 2012, where gold started at 255 an ounce at its absolute low in 2001, up to, we know, that little short-term peak at 1900 right then gold did that second leg pulling back literally to the dime giving 50 percent back as gold dropped into a thousand thirty and that ended in december of 2015 and we resumed and we started this third leg and literally day one of 2016 so we know 2016 and 17 were both up up years for gold and we believe this will be in the next few years will be up years and the biggest years lie ahead. And just to clarify, when I say gold, that, you know, that is kind of just the word for the precious metals in general. Gold isn't going to run and the others being left behind. And just to say to your point, is it too late to get in? Absolutely not, because the big the third leg has the most upside and we're in the very, very early stages of it. So um, that's, you know, that's our view. That's a, that's a great overview. And uh, I wonder if I, I might be able to get pull up a chart or something when we uh, when we post this live. So so uh, our audience can actually visually see uh, where we are on that on that outlook. So so it seems like a pretty uh, exciting time right now. Um, you know, obviously, the, the price of gold has has uh, has been even in the last uh, couple months only has, has kind of fluctuated. Um, you know, sort of between the 1200 and, and where it is now range. 
um, you know, there's there's a lot of gold's an interesting one uh, as an investor because it's one of these asset classes that, from a general asset allocation standpoint, I think that uh, all investors should have some sort of gold. Uh, you know, physical gold, in in my view, is is probably the best. Um, and and maybe uh, maybe you can maybe you can talk to us a little bit about sort of the physical versus the exchange traded uh, sort of. Uh, instruments and what your view or recommendation is there. Sure. So a couple things. One thing about being a gold investor, you really have to have some grit. And what I mean by that is, you know, most investors, you know, unfortunately need the crowd to give them the reassurance that what they're doing is right. Right. That's why the crowd all moves together. Yes. Right. And, you know, this is typically why, you know, the small investor buys and sells at the wrong times, right? When they finally get full confirmation right. that everyone's in, they buy at the top and sell at the bottom. So what's tough about being a gold investor, why, you know, these are a separate group of people, you're making a decision based on your research to go into an asset that has proven itself for 5,000 years and without dispute. Um, but you're not going to get cheerleading from the mainstream. I mean, you're not going to turn on, you know, you know, MSNBC and CNBC and being told how smart you are. You are going to be, you know, denigrated for all intents and purposes. Right. And when you talk to your typical financial planner or, you know, the direction that, you know, most people are taking, if you really insist on gold, of course, they're going to kind of shoehorn you into an ETF. Now, That's right. Problems with ET, yeah, and the problem with ETFs are, you know, they're not all created equal. So, you know, some are worth, you know, some are, we'll say, less of a play on gold. You know, the big, the big eight hundred pound gorilla is GLD, right? Well, mm -hmm. just look at their prospectus, right? It says it's there to track the price of gold, and it talks about holding gold in unallocated form. And you know, you can parcel that, and what it's basically telling you is, you know, they've obviously used derivatives. They have all sorts of caveats should the market run away on them and at the end of the day you don't own gold right they, right. they present it as something that's convenient it's something that supports the typical wealth manager broker dealer financial planner because it keeps it within the exchange but since precious metals are the literally the only unique asset that you can actually take as own directly right like if other commodities if you like oil, you can't put a big silo in your backyard and put, you know, a, a million gallons of oil. You're kind of forced <laughs> to use exchange traded products. Right. But here's this rare, unique thing where it says, look, you can separate yourself from Wall Street, the exchanges. So my point is always, why would you give that unique benefit up of owning the, the actual asset and not having the counterparty risk associated with an exchange? or a financial instrument between you and, and the underlying asset. So even though maybe it's a little more cumbersome, I think it is, you know, it's in definitely the investor's best interest when it comes to the precious metals portion of their portfolio to stick to the physical and the real physical. Yeah, I've, I've, I've done a little bit of research, but I think that uh, I have to agree with you there, Chris. And I think that uh, it, it's kind of worth going through that process, um, you know, just for I personally, I actually don't own any gold, and I personally have, have done a little bit of research recently, actually, because um, I do think that it's an important part of every uh, proper asset allocation strategy. And I've seen sort of uh, allocations from, you know, I mean, obviously, if you're a gold bug and this sort of thing, it's, it could be as high as, you know, I don't know, 25% maybe. Uh, but 
for even just the average uh, investor who's looking to diversify, I've you know I've seen somewhere between whatever one or two percent and upwards to five to ten percent of your portfolio, depending on your comfort level. As far as storage goes, um, what what are some quick tips there? Is are there certain things to avoid pitfalls that you need to be aware of? Um, obviously, your company as well provides storage uh, services, right? Yeah, and we do it in conjunction with a major non-bank bullion depository, and that's a key, you know, non-bank outside the banking system. And, you know, what we're able to do, a couple great things because of this partnership, it also serves as a check and balance, right? So when our clients buy and sell precious metals with us and they opt to store, of course, we do delivery also, but for those that opt to store, which are many, um, they get their transaction confirmations from us, but they also get once the metal is delivered into the depository and it's, you know, allocated into a special allocated account and in the client's name, the depository confirms with them directly. I mean, that's a unique relationship that we've been able to forge with our depository. So you're getting all these checks and balances, right? And that's important, right? You, we, we want that transparency. And also we get a very, very uh, aggressive uh, storage rate from them, which, you know, we pass on to the customer so that storage does not become a deterrent. And that rate is basically the same as what the ETFs charge on their management fee. So, you know, you're not saving. If you say, well, I'll avoid storage by buying GLD. Well, basically the rate they charge, and of course they can't invoice you for that. They just keep reducing the share price. Right? <laughs> they kind of liquidate, you know, we, we do an invoice, right? But you know, at the end of the day, if the cost of storage with through us is basically the same as your fee to the managers of GLD or SLV, you know, we think why would why would you not want the asset? Right. And, and the other thing, you know, like I said, we do metal for delivery to people, and that's great. But what some people forget is when it's in your possession, when you want to sell. So when you know the precious metals really hit their stride, and they're going up. They have been the last few years. I mean, gold was up 12% last year and 16% the year before. So you can't say that the precious metals investors aren't doing well. But when it's time to sell, when you want to take your profits off the table, you know, when it's in storage, it's just a phone call away. You call up, you sell, it's all locked in, you know, T plus two, you know, we're giving the funds back. If it's in your possession, you have to get it back to market and realize you're talking about big, you know, bulky and not inexpensive to ship because insurance is obviously a big component. So, you know, people should think this, you know, think this through. And especially if their time horizon for going into the precious metals is to buy, hold, and probably sell out in a two to three year time period, you know, waiting to hit a price target, you know, the storage and the ready to sell and ready to lock in is something to, to seriously consider. It does make a lot of sense. I think that's, uh, all of us as investors, one of the it's it's both the exciting part of being sort of a multi asset investor, and the tedious part is keeping track of all your positions and uh, reconciling all your balances. And uh, you know, there's software out there. I, I use a Excel spreadsheet, <laughs> but uh, you know, it's uh, it's part of it's fun. The fun part, you know, looking at at, at sort of the different assets you have and rebalancing and this sort of thing, but also. Uh, as you mentioned, the part of it is is tedious trying to keep up with the bookkeeping and 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 uh, you know not for nothing. Like you said, when you have to 
trade that in, uh, you know, it is tedious and, and cumbersome, and and you have to ship it in or find the dealer that'll that'll take your your precious metal. So I can see the value in in the storage, and uh, so just uh, logistically, if let's say I were to uh, to want to to buy some gold bullion from from you, Chris, from your company, would I just uh, you know is there there's an application process, and then and then I just uh, wire in the money and then get an account and, and get set up that way? You know, anyone who wants to inquire could either go to our website and click on contact and request or to call us. And we will, we actually send out two emails. Our customer service people will send an account opening form with some simple instructions for setting up. And the other one is frequently asked questions, which is generally, we believe, very helpful to anyone who's new. And all the typical things someone who's new to the process usually asks. So this way, if a customer calls us and, you know, doesn't think of something, we kind of be proactive. And then accounts are funded by bank wire 90% of the time because they're fast and expedient. Uh, they can also fund it by a check under certain, you know, up until certain amounts. Um, so both, uh, and once that's set up, the client is, is ready to trade. And I just you also want to point out when you talk about record keeping and such, we have a client login on our website. So clients that have metal in storage, right? So it's not for clients that have metal shipped to them. But that once that metal's in storage, a client logs in. It's going to show what their whole portfolio is. So if they have multiple precious metals products, it's going to show the current market value of each product plus the total portfolio. And it's also going to show the transaction history. And, you know, it's very storage-centric, the history of the dates that went into the depository, the dates any metal came out, you know, what the circumstances are coming out. Was it for sale? Was it for delivery? So to, to aid the investor, right, as you talked about, you know, looking at all your portfolio, tracking them, tracking history, at least for the precious metal side, we, we have those tools that people are used to with any account they would have with a, you know, a traditional broker dealer, you know, th- that sort of uh, transparency and access. Right. What what sort of and I'm I'm just saying this broadly, uh, not specific to your company, but uh, broadly, you know, when when you're talking about physical gold and storing storing it in, say, a vault or or a, a facility, what sort of insurance or assurance do you have that, um, you know, what happens if the company goes bankrupt? What happens to your gold or or this sort of thing? And I mean, it's I think it's a question that lingers in the back of. A novice gold investors' minds before they jump in, right? You know what happens in the worst case scenario. Those are really great points to raise. Uh, first thing, we are not the depository, and obviously this metal is not on our on our balance sheet, as they say. The depository is a the one we use is IDS International Depository Services. That's our primary. Uh, depository. It's a major non-bank bullion depository. And if a person asks for the, you know, the frequently asked questions when we email, we sh- we have the link to their to their site. Uh, they are fully insured. And, you know, we we're obviously are always uh, received their letters of uh, evidence of insurability. They are an official depository for exchanges like uh, COMEX, um, LBMA, and it just means it has to do with when you're storing metal related to the LBMA or the COMEX or something that they meet all these standards. And they are audited continuously because of that. So they're a major, like I said, a major depository. They actually have three facilities. Um, They're also the custodian, uh, the depository custodian for almost all the IRA companies use them. 
Um, and you know, that's a, that's a heavily regulated industry. So that's why we work with someone like that. You know, we, we, we don't work with a mom and pop and that's not denigrating them because, but it's just that we're more comfortable, you know, the firms that are have to meet certain standards, regulatory standards, you know, even though they're still outside the banking system, but, you know, holding all this IRA money and, and, and metal and such and, you know, carrying the, uh, the insurance in the hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, that's where we're more comfortable. And we believe our, our clients would feel that way also. And they do. Right. Absolutely. So what would be your sort of broad strokes recommendation for uh, an investor? And I'm sure you get tons that come to you uh, seeking uh, sort of portfolio allocation advice. You know, I mean, everyone knows that diversification is important in, in one's uh, per- portfolio. If if I were to ask you, hey, Chris, you know, I, I'm, I'm looking at my portfolio overall and I have X amount in stocks and, and X amount in bonds and real estate and this sort of thing. What would be a, a, a good starting point uh, to start building a, a uh, precious metals uh, allocation in one's personal portfolio? Sure. So you, when you um, actually touched on this right about a couple minutes ago, when you talked about what percentage of your money is in precious metals. And, you know, that's a little bit up for debate. You know, I know there's the textbook, you know, five to 10 percent. Right. And these are my personal opinion. Right. So a person can digest it and take what they think. Right. Um, when a person's talking about a great example is 2008, uh, precious metals rose going into 2008 because precious the precious metals, and we'll just say gold representing the precious metals, is a very good forecaster of what's coming up. And a lot of people don't realize that. Gold moves ahead of the event. So gold rise before 2008 when everyone thought we were in a new economy. Remember, we were in a housing economy. And of course, I'm saying that sarcastically. Right. That Mm -hmm. uh, ninja loans doesn't matter. Just, you know, give a mortgage to everyone and all this stuff created by Wall Street CMOs and CDOs. Well, that completely blew up. And the precious metals world knew that. And that's why gold basically rose for years prior. And of course, through that event. Now, when that event happened and the stock market was cut in what, half or 40 percent. Right. Yeah. The precious metals continued to rise and they outperformed. So my point is, if a person had a 1%, 2%, 3% position in precious metals and a 97% position in a market that gets hammered, it's nice. How much is it really going to help you? My point is, I've had people say, well, you know, I, you know, I have a $500,000 portfolio and I've got, you know, at 200 ounces of silver, right? You know, at $3,200. Right. It's nice. It's not going to do anything for you at the end of the day, right? It's That's just true. when I say not do anything for you, I mean, if you're looking for it to be kind of a, a counterbalance, uh, it's not enough there to do anything. So my point is the position needs to at least be relevant enough so that the reason you're buying precious metals, right? It as that store of wealth through market disruptions, which most people feel is long overdue, our next 2008 repeat. And, you know, many feel that when, when the next version of that will be far worse, well, you need to at least have a position that is, uh, is going to be helpful, right? Um, and that would be without putting myself on the line and being accused of, <laughs> you know, <laughs> right? Hey, I still I still have to play it, you know, Absolutely. proper. Right? 100%, 100%. We're, we're tra- 
yeah, we, we make a market and we're here to serve the investors, but it's just food for thought that um, it needs to be at least relevant enough to be to do its job. Right. We won't we won't hold you to uh, to anything that you've just said, Chris. But we appreciate the uh, the insights. No, I, I totally agree with you on the uh, there there is a point of over diversifying, and uh, and that's a that's also a dangerous uh, road to go down because as as investors, you kind of get the shiny object syndrome or whatever it's called, where you think everything is you know all these little opportunities you know maybe one could pay off, but you get to a point where if you your bet bets aren't uh, sizable enough, then then there's really no point. Uh, you know you could you can make a one percent investment into something that three to five X's and that's still, uh, it's great, but you know, it doesn't really move the needle. And so I would, you know, I would argue more towards the side of doing some deep, deep research into uh, several areas and making some concentrated bets, uh, and just raising your conviction level with each of the, the different areas. So yeah. And, and if, if I could just, I just, I just have to elaborate because mm-hmm. you, you articulated it uh, beautifully. Uh, Jay, but and, and the truth is, you know, the, the joke is, you can you can diversify your portfolio where everything's offsetting each other to the point where you're just going to sit in the middle. You might as well be in a money market account, right? I'm being a little sarcastic, but if every <laughs> if everything is designed ultimately, well, if this goes up, this goes down, and vice versa, then all you're going to do is pay fees to you know whoever is managing the money, and you're not getting anywhere. And I you know, and I don't look at it as p- placing bets. And I also don't believe, personally, it's very difficult for an investor to nimbly trade markets. I don't think it's possible. Mm-hmm. It's like may work for a short period of time. It'll eventually blow up. What I believe is investor needs to identify the big trends and then get properly invested right. and let that trend push you because we're not, you know, even more so in the stock market, right? Picking individual stocks, unless you have a lot of money and can truly buy at least a fair number of different stocks you know, most investors are served better by a mutual fund by nature, right? But those mutual funds, they just move up and down with the market, right? They're, you know, if, if the broad market goes up, they do well and down. So, you know, my point is find what trend is, is looks like it's, it's developing or in play and has some legs to it, which we believe precious metals do, and then take that position in there. And then, you know, you got to ride it, you know, got to spend a little bit of time. You can't get spooked out of the market in two months, you know, um, and that's the other challenge I think some investors have. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's classic sort of, uh, um, you know, on the stock side, it's classic sort of Warren Buffett versus, uh, some of the more active managers. And, and when you, when you expand that time horizon out and, and you look at performance, then, uh, it's quite telling that, uh, that active managers actually don't end up outperforming. <laughs> um, I wanted to, to to dip our toes really quickly into a, a, a quite a buzzy, hot topic these days. Being someone from as yourself, someone that's uh, deeply rooted from the sort of precious metals and commodity space, um, I wanted to ask just quickly your thoughts, uh, without going into too much of this rabbit hole on on cryptocurrencies and uh, and Bitcoin. You know, there's been uh, references or. People have compared it to sort of digital gold and and uh, and and sharing some of the same characteristics that gold gold has. Uh, 
from from some as someone from your with your background and this sort of thing, what what are your overall views on crypto and Bitcoin? Okay, so since we need to keep it relatively brief, and the subject is absolutely <laughs> enormous, right? I can only touch on a couple things. So maybe these will be helpful, and maybe we can visit this in, in greater detail in another uh, conversation. Yeah, sure. One thing is because the Bitcoin or digital currency is technology and a lot of people don't understand technology and some people I think think they understand it and I don't think they really do is there's a lot of mystique or mystery and I think people forget two things blockchain is a platform bitcoin or cryptocurrencies use that platform they're not the same they're, they conflate the two right they use interchangeably blockchain bitcoin you know crypto blockchain right you know the analogy is the internet is a platform. Companies use the internet to transact or put, you know, put their business model on utilizing the internet. So they're two separate things, right? All because the internet is viable doesn't mean using it for your business makes your business viable. And people forget that, right? right. Because if you say, oh, you know, blockchain is a, is a very robust early stage technology. It's obviously in this, in the developmental stage. And it's going to be used and manifest itself in a lot of different ways through contracts. And there's going to be proprietary versions for industries and companies to do their own business. You know, cryptos are just using blockchain. And, and I think people forget that. Right. So mm -hmm. then after that, these are these are still software. Right. Even using just the, the kind of ubiquitous term technology is a little too broad. It is software. And you have to be cognizant that it's going to have the same challenges software has. I mean, Bitcoin's always pro already proved that, right? Bitcoin didn't scale three, four months ago. And developers had to come in, right? They talked about that hard fork. Well, if you're honest with yourself, you step back and say, well, who are these developers, right? I mean, who's, gonna, who's the white, who's the guy going to come in on with the white hat and constantly, uh, you know, make the necessary upgrades to this software? I know people get upset right. when you say that, but it's a fact, right? And my point is, it's not to say yay or nay. It's just to say, understand what you're dealing with. Right. And it still, it still has to be constantly developed. That means human intervention is always coming in. Who are these people, right? Who's this so-called group that comes in and fix it? And I know, you know, you'll hear and, and I hope people don't get their nose out of joint, but you hear them talk about like, <laughs> well, just like these user groups, like these user groups, right? They do it and it's all kind of like missionary work. But that's not, I don't buy that, right? <laughs> and, and even if that's true in the early stages, what will happen in the end? And if it's just an open-ended group, you know, who could stop any nefarious person from getting involved? So my point is, I think digital currency is going to be around. It doesn't necessarily Bitcoin. It will be Bitcoin. And it doesn't necessarily mean Bitcoin's going away, but it doesn't necessarily mean Bitcoin's going to continue to rise. Um, and cryptocurrency, in some respects, is really can't identify itself, right? It says it's money, but it's so much volatility, you can't, as a vendor, right? If you're in business, you really can't accept it, right? right? The ones that accept it are immediately converting it to dollars because you take us, right? If we were paid in Bitcoin, and we shipped you, you know, gave you all this gold. And next thing you know, Bitcoin drops $2,000. We're going to be out of business, right? Because our margins are razor thin. So my point is, yeah, when the vendors that say they accept it, they turn around and immediately have to convert it to dollars. That's kind of fake, 
because that isn't really a, a currency, right. right? If you have to convert. So, you know, and then is it an asset? So my point is it's not going away. It's not blockchain all because blockchain is developing. That's, you know, the, the issues with crypto is totally different. One just uses the other. Keep that in mind. It is highly speculative, but to the point that I guess really hits home is Bitcoin or crypto, the new gold. And that is flat out just wrong. <laughs> okay. Because if you really think about it, if you really think about it, the only commonality they have is that they're both considered outside of right. the mainstream, right? Outside of the quote unquote system. And don't get me wrong. The idea in theory of a currency that could truly operate freely outside of the control of central banks and the Fed, I think is the greatest thing in the world. I mean, I would love that. I would love to not have to deal with banks and them thinking you're, they're doing you a favor to have an account with them and charge you astronomical <laughs> fees right. like wire fees, right? Which what's a wire, right? You're sending data and they're charging, what do they charge individuals? $30, yep. $40 on an international? Yeah. That's a lot of money. So, no, I, I would love an alternative and people should not get upset to understand I'm in the in the camp of show me an, a viable alternative to the banks. It would be the most liberating thing in the world. It would free the economies of the world. Um, but I, you know, I'm still would be cautious about putting too much money in cryptos. But as I said, they're the polar opposites, though. I mean, digital currency completely exists in cyberspace. Right. Physical precious metals, you can drop and break your toe. They're different. Right. One is, you know, one is relying on technology and everything around that, you know, upgrades to software. You know, technology changes so rapidly. The platforms change. You know, uh, you know, people have to understand that systems work differently when there's even changes in the CPUs of the future. I mean, there's so much that affects something that relies on technology and precious metals. You know, gold mined 5,000 years ago is the same gold. No one had to do anything for 5,000 years, right? An ounce of gold, an ounce of silver is exactly that, which is the polar opposite of what digital currency is. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, Two thoughts after what you just said. And, and thanks for sharing those views, Chris. I think, I think it's, 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 it's important to hear uh, all sides. You know, people get caught up a, a lot with what hype and, and this sort of thing. And I think that your first point of just educating yourself is the most important thing. You know, a lot of people are jumping into this asset class and whether, it, you know, it, a lot, of, I know a lot of people personally that have made a lot of money in crypto uh, and they know nothing about it. And so it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, who's right? You know, well, you know, it's not about right or wrong at the end of the day. It's about knowing what you're getting in, yourself into. Uh, and doing your research and, and being comfortable with the asset class. And um, I think that uh, you're right. For the large, the large majority of people that are involved in it don't actually know uh, the technology of it uh, or the, the underlying technology and, and this sort of thing. Um, and secondly, it's, it's just funny and interesting to me um, uh, that people would rather jump into uh, this sort of asset class versus a gold that's, like you said, it's been around for 5,000 years and it's proven it's worth. Um, but uh, that's just the way people are. <laughs> and uh, the, mo the, con the average retail investor is, uh, is, 
Mr. Market is thinks differently. So, um, hey, well, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing plays out. Uh, I do agree with you that it's going to be around for a while uh, and it's not going to go away. But I think that at some point it'll be interesting to see how it plays into a broader asset allocation uh, strategy, um, you know, as far as diversifying and and and, uh, and, and picking asset classes. So uh, let's see how that p- pans out. Um, Chris, I, there's a couple, for last couple questions I wanted to ask you um, as we look to, uh, to wrap up the discussion. And, and it's, been, it's been great catching up and, and, and hearing your views. Um, so first of all, I wanted to just ask, we established before that we are, it's not too late to get into precious metals. And so we're, we're sitting at sort of the early days of, of what uh, I believe you said was the third leg, which is the strongest leg of that secular bull market, which is exciting. Uh, so what is your sh- sort of short-term-ish outlook in the next uh, 12, 24 months of precious metals uh, and gold? And then after that, I want to talk about the PMC ounce, which is one of your uh, special products that I think that uh, it, listeners would uh, benefit from. Sure. So as our observation is, we believed, you know, this third leg started two years ago, and this is going to be a multi-year leg. And when I say multi-year, I'm probably talking more in the, in the range of seven years, right? So we've got a number of years in front of it. Gold will and precious metals will always be um, hit. And there's a degree of manipulation on the short to intermediate term. And that's what can really be very successful at dispiriting investors. So we, unlike a few years ago where, you know, even us here, we knew it was in leg two and the trend was down until it, you know, kind of hit that 50% retracement. Well, now we feel, and we did that uh, once that 50% retracement was achieved, we would go into the third leg and it has, and we're in year three. So my outlook is, despite a day like today where the metals are down, is it will be grinding higher. And over probably the next, you know, 12 to 18 months, it'll hit an acceleration. I'm not saying to wait 12 to 18 months to take your position. I'm saying it'll start accelerating at a greater trajectory than now. But I'm going to share one other thing, Jay, that hopefully will help investors but, you know, see something that experience, something that I see. There are different products in the precious metals market, meaning let's take gold. Gold comes in coins, right? Eagles and maple leaves and then small bars. Mm-hmm. And the bars go from one ounce to 10 ounce to kilo, right? The kilo is the 32.15 ounces, basically, you know, in about $45,000 in today's market. Right. The kilos are basically bought by bigger investors. That market so big investors, like if you're investing $10 million, you don't buy gold eagles. You, you don't. You buy kilo bonds, right? You're still having hundreds of them, right. but because you don't need something that's as divisible as $1,300. Um, and of course, the sovereign right. wealth funds and, you know, and, and those big Asian, you hear about the money flowing to the east. They all want kilo bars, right? Not the individuals on the street, the, you know, right. the power players. Now, from what we've seen over the last few months, and I'm saying this about five months now, the kilos are hard to get. There are none in the secondary market. Secondary market means something that the refinery sold in the past that investors sold back into the market. You know, guys like us buy and then can resell. There's nothing. And we're getting and the, wow. and the kilos coming out of the deposit to, uh, the, out of the refineries. They're coming out really slow, which tells you the demand by the bigger money crowd 
is strong. They don't care if gold is down today. They're not selling and they're accumulating. And conversely, the classic retail products, gold eagles, maple leaves, there are tons of them. Right. A lot of that, you know, a lot in the secondary market, which tells you retail investors are either, you know, selling or not buying. So I look at it in my perspective is, and I hate to use these terms because it don't mean to be, you know, it's not to be uh, not kind, but you would call it the bigger players, the smarter money whose connections have a little bit more insight to understanding where things are going, aren't selling anything and are just accumulating. And the folks that will get spooked out of a market, because even though gold has been going up for two years, the market gets hit at a time that just kind of dispirits them and they throw in the towel and or they get anxious and they get sometimes greedy and they say, well, I'm going to go switch to crypto or I'm going to, you know, they're, they're changing gears too quick, right. right? They don't, they don't establish, you know, make their decision and stick to it. So I think if that, if it could be a helpful message to anybody from our perspective, from the flow of the metals based on metal type, this is the time you want to get, you know, is a good time to either establish your first position or build on what you have. So that, you know, that's one insight I hope would be of, of use or helpful or at least interesting for your listeners to digest. That's very interesting, Chris. Is there a spread? As in, let's say I had $100,000. Would I be better off buying two of those large bars than a bunch of maple leaves or whatever? Uh, you know what I mean? Sure. So, yeah. So if you're going to just do gold, Jay, it still isn't. And, and I'll tell you why. Because... You want the divisibility, right? You're going to pay a little bit more for the coin, but it, it has its value. I mean, I would say if it's going to be in storage, you go with one ounce bars, right? Because you're going to get a lower premium than a coin. It's in storage. And you want that divisibility because the reason divisibility is important, right? Say, you know, you look at what a lot of very smart analysts are saying. They're saying, look, in the next few years, you know, gold is going to be you know, up to 2,000, 3,000, and, and it's going to achieve a lot of people to see gold at far, far above $5,000. And you know, as an investor, there are times when if you don't want to be greedy, you want to start taking some profits off the table, right? You may not want to get out of the investment completely, right? Because you don't want to miss more of the upside, but you say, hey, look, I'm not greedy. I'm not a hog, right? I'm going to start taking. Now, if you have $100,000 and you put right. yourself into only two units, you basically have to sell a big, right? So you don't, you lose a lot of that divisibility where, you know, as things are going up, you may want to just sell five ounces at a clip, 10 ounces, especially if gold's at $5,000 an ounce, right? Five ounces is $25,000. So I would say the kilos are more, really make more sense when a person has got hundreds of thousands of dollars that they're putting into gold. $100,000 is a nice investment, but it's still, you want the divisibility of the smaller units. Right. And would the strategy to accumulate, uh, let's say you're just starting to build a position, you know, is it, is it, uh, uh, you know, is it the classic, like parents tell you to every month, just buy a little bit of gold and just do that for, for a while, or is it wait for a pullback and then try to build a larger position and then, and go that way. Sure. So in a little bit, we're talking about two things, right? Uh, one is market timing, right? Waiting for the pullback. Yep. Um, I've, I've rarely seen that work because the psychology with a pullback is <laughs> if a pullback happens, then the person is convinced it'll go lower. It doesn't right. and it goes higher. 
Um, I would say this is what the reality is. If you do your homework and you concur that the precious metals are in the early stages of like three. And if I was to say to you, so Jay, where do you think gold is going to be, you know, three years from now, five years from now? And you say, hey, Chris, you know, I listen to a lot of guys who are pretty smart and they're saying 5,000 plus. My answer to you would be, then what do you what are you going to do? Hem and haw to maybe gold goes down a dollar an ounce. Right. It's more likely to be up five. Just establish your position. Because the other yeah. problem is when the next crisis like 2008 happens, the supply will be just totally dry up. Mm-hmm. And it did in 2008. It was very tough for a couple of days to get anything. Right. Um, so you run the risk of just being shut out because it is true. It's not paper. It can't be created out of thin air. There is not an infinite supply of precious metals. Right. So um, my position is, you know, just take the position and, and don't even waste your time trying to market time. But, I'm, you know, I'm going to use that as a cue to kind of just talk about something that we offer, because, Jay, the beauty of it is it's a patented physical precious metals asset called the PMC ounce, which means precious metals composite. And each PMC ounce has a fixed fractional amount of gold, silver, platinum, palladium. And depending on how many PMC ounces an individual buys, those fractional amounts aggregate up to a total and actual physical bullion is delivered, good delivery physical bullion into a storage account, into the depository, into the client's name. And it contains each PMC ounce is a fixed amount of gold, silver, platinum, palladium that are logically weighted. So each PMC ounce in and of itself is a turnkey diversified physical precious metals portfolio. And the logic of it is, and this logic has proved out because you can look at our homepage because we have the history of the PMC ounces price versus gold and silver since the PMC ounce was created in 2008, is that it gives a better risk adjusted return. It mitigates the volatility that is common if you're in just one or two of the metals. So it's capturing the blended return of all four metals and it's smoothing out that volatility. You know, one of the greatest examples is silver. You know, silver spiked way up to almost $50 an ounce in 2011 and 12, and now is way down at 16. A lot of people aren't aware that in the last three years, the best performing in the precious metals are palladium. But virtually no individual investors have any position in palladium because a typical precious metals dealer is pitching gold and silver. So this is a a product that, it, like I said, it has a patent. It is all physical precious metals. It's not an ETF. It's not a fund. It is unique enough that that's why it has a patent. It's bridged the best of two worlds, the ease of trade like an ETF with actual physical bullion ownership. And it's logically diversified. So when you say, how much should I put in the precious metals? And then people also start questioning which one. Right. We basically say the PMC ounce has done it for you. Right. And, you know, there are times when gold and silver are down and platinum and palladium are up. So we think it's a, we think it's uh, logical. And the more as investors get exposed to it, most of them gravitate to it because the logic is just, you know, indisputable. Um, and we have a lot of tools on our website, which is neptuneglobal.com. We have a PMC calculator that lets you do a mock trade. So you see exactly what you're buying, how your money is diversified across the metals, you know, based on dollars and percentages, you know, an interactive chart that's updated daily, um, based on the closing prices that shows the performance. So 
you know, we think, and, and it is proven that it is a robust, logical, physical precious metals asset, which is actually resonating with a lot of the new people to precious metals, right? They're used to wanting diversification, having something that's a little more, we'll say a little more uh, creative than just, you know, kind of the old bars and coins, which have kind of a, you know, antiquated, you know, barbaric feel to it. And it's gotten wide acclaim by some very respected analysts. That's pretty interesting and exciting. I, what, can you divulge the uh, weightings of the PMC ounce and how you came up with those? And are those fixed or do they uh, change over time? Sure. So the physical weightings never change. They can't, right? So you think the ounce is like a pizza with slices. And one, one slice is gold, one is silver, one's platinum and palladium. And each slice is a certain size. Yeah. Now, the, the reason I, you have to visit the site is because there's two ways of looking at it. There's the physical amount. And then there's how much, because each metal has a different valuation, right? Like, you know, gold is $1,300 and silver's um, $16. So when you really look at how you, how much money and how you allocate or weight, you have to look by how much money is going into each metal, not units, right? Meaning if you had $100,000 and you want to put half in gold and half in silver, what would you do? You'd buy $50,000 in gold and 50 in silver, right? You wouldn't buy one ounce of gold for one ounce of silver because they have a ratio of 80 to one virtually. Right. So the PMC ounce has that physical weighting, which is fixed. So a PMC ounce sold five years ago is going to be the same as one today and five years from now. The thing that's just changing is its valuation as the, the value of each component metal changes. Right. And this product is tied 100% to the market. Every tick change, it is reflecting it. It is a true live market product that is bought and sold in real time. So the physical weighting is, um, is gold is 3.5%, silver is 93.75%, palladium is 1.75%, and platinum is 1%. Now, you would say at first blush, you say, well, that's all skewed toward silver. Right. But it's not <laughs> because based on that weighting, the PMC ounce today, that 3.5% of gold represents 51.5% of your money is going into gold. Right. Because gold is 3.5% of an item that's $1,300 and change. So you can see the logic. Right. It is predominantly still gold. Gold is the primary. Now, all that silver, like I said, 93.75, you know how much re that represents of your money? 17% <laughs> because silver is so low price, so undervalued. So my point is, this is why we have all the tools on the site. And the PMC calculator, which is accessed through the homepage, you know, it lets you do the trade, you know, fake trade, but it's all in real-time pricing. It shows you how much of each metal physically weighted you're owning and how much of your money percentage went into each metal, and you see the whole logic of the diversification. So that's why, um, you know, love to explain it, but the tools and the feedback has been very positive that, you know, people who are doing their, their due diligence and their investigation utilize the, the PMC calculator and they're like, you know, then they could con totally conceptualize it. So, you know, I would just end in encourage anyone who's interested to visit us and check it out. Absolutely. We'll get the, we'll get that link, uh, in the show notes, uh, at the, the PMC calculator and, and of course your website. Uh, and, uh, that leads us to the last question, Chris, which is what's the best place to find you or follow you or connect with you. If, uh, if you're interested in 
perhaps uh, purchasing some of this uh, PMC ounce? Sure. So I'd encourage anyone to go to um, NeptuneGlobal.com, right? www.NeptuneGlobal. There, of course, you'll find our phone number, which we encourage you to, you know, don't be bashful, call in. We're happy to chat. Also, you can hit the contact tab and just request information. And, you know, we'll start with just um, if you hit the contact tab and request, we will send you the frequently asked questions. And those will give you a direct link to the PMC calculator, um, the page that gives you an overview of the PMC ounce, you know, even things like, you know, what are what are minimum count sizes, uh, you know, the link to the depository, a lot of things that we think are a great helpful starting point. So pretty much the centralized place for, for getting to know more about us is NeptuneGlobal.com. Fantastic. Chris, thanks so much for your time. It, it was really interesting. I, I um, It was very helpful for me personally, and I learned a lot, uh, as always. And, uh, and I think our audience is really going to enjoy it. So I appreciate your time and the insights. Well, thanks a lot, Jay. It was, it was great. And um, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Take care. Okay. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness. Yeah.